Amen. Well, we've been talking about challenges and challengers, and and I pray that you have gotten something out of this series. Uh, Like I said from the beginning, I always like to state the goal from the beginning, because when you know the goal, when you know the purpose, you can set an expectation. What am I getting? What are we trying to receive out of this series? And I told you that I wasn't trying to change the fact uh, that we go through trials and tests in life, that we have challenges and challengers that face us in life. I wasn't trying to teach you how to get out of them. I was trying to teach you how to go through them. Amen. And um, I believe that a lot of times in life, uh, how we perceive things determines how we endure things. Amen. A lot of it has to do with our perception. A lot of it has to do with how do I see it? What's my perspective? And, uh, you know, remember that we said the teacher and the student both can have two different perspectives of the same test, the same trial. The teacher sees the test as something that's going to expand you or advance you or make you greater, where the student sees you're just testing me and you're trying to take something away from me and you're trying to hold me back. And sometimes we do this in life, right? We go through a test and a trial and we say, God, why... Why don't you just get this thing off of me? Why don't you remove? I mean, we, we pull a pause sometimes. You know, I prayed three times that you would remove this thorn from my flesh. And what does God's respond? No, my strength made available in your weakness. I have given you the grace to endure through this thing. And so, uh, you know, we've been in this now about five weeks. And uh, I, I pray that you've gotten something. Here's a few points that we've looked at so far. Just to refresh your memory. Uh, Number one, we saw that the test is not designed to take something away from you. It's designed to draw something out of you. I mean, that statement right there ought to change how we visualize the tests and trials in our life. If we could go through a test and a trial, regardless of what it is, if it's financial, if it's in our marriage, if it's in our job, if it's just in us personally, if it's a physical uh, uh, sickness or disease, that we're going through, whatever it is, if we could just see right there that I'm being made greater through this process, not being weakened, I mean, that right there would would change how we go through it. Amen. We saw here uh, also that there is no victory without without the challenge. There's no victory without the test. You don't get to celebrate if you haven't sacrificed. There's no trophy without training. And so we've, we saw that the only way that you hoist the trophy at the end is if you endure through the tests and the trials throughout. And so we, we saw that also. We also saw that it's not necessarily us that's being tested, but our faith in God. That was probably one of my favorite weeks. In understanding that in the midst of the trial and the test, I was never designed to do it by myself. That there's a God that's for me, a God that's greater than me, a God that goes before me that says, I'm the one fighting this battle if you'll just put your trust in me. That's why James says that it's the testing of our faith, the testing of our faith. You feel like you're the one being tested. You feel like you're the one that's getting all the opposition and, and everything's coming against you. But it's really just testing, do you believe in God's ability to come through this? It's Your faith in God's ability that allows you to overcome and come through the trial. And then the last thing that we saw this last week was that 
testing allows progressing. That we do not advance in life until we're tested in a thing. You don't get to the second grade without being tested for the first grade. And you don't, be, you don't get to college without being tested out of high school. There's things that we have to graduate through in life. And until we endure the testing at the level we're at today, we don't get to the next level. You don't get a larger paycheck until you're faithful with the paycheck you have. You don't get the promotion until you're faithful with the level that you're at now. And it's very dangerous when we advance without testing. It's very dangerous. And so we have to know that the testing is only proving that I have what it takes to get to the next level. Because the next level is going to require everything out of me in this level. When Abraham was being tested at those different stages in his life, when he was told to go out of his own country, and then he was told to believe for a son when they couldn't have a child, and then he had to lay his only child on an altar... Every level was, or every test was giving him an opportunity to get to the next level. Because the next level required the faith of the previous level. If he couldn't listen to a word go, then he couldn't believe for a child. And if he couldn't believe for a child, then he couldn't lay that child on an altar. There's levels that God wants to get us through, but we have to graduate through those levels. Amen? Well, today... In our final installment, I want to talk about test results. Test results. What is the result of our testing? What are the things that we should be looking for as a result uh, of going through a challenge? Go with me to James chapter 1. We've, we've been here. It's kind of been our key text uh, throughout this series. I want to point some things out. Test results. You know, sometimes people don't want test results. I don't want to know the results of what I've got. But when you know that you've gone through and you've given everything you got, you want to know the score, right? You want to know how you tested. You want to know where, what level you were at because that determines what I get to increase to at the next level. And so we've got to take an opportunity to look at the results of our testing. And the result of your testing is not weakened, is not sorrow, is not beat down. No, there's a greater result that God wants us to have at the end of our test. And verse 2 says, brethren, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. The testing of your faith produces patience. Verse 4, but let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. This is the result of our testing. So there's a few things I want to point out. Number one is faith. Number one is faith. At the end of our test, we ought to have some faith. We ought to have some trust in God. We must have an ability to trust God through the test. And at the end of the test, if our faith is weakened rather than strengthened, then we have not properly endured the test. At the end of our test, 
our faith in God should be greater than it was before we got into the test. And many times we don't endure the test properly and our strength in God and our faith in God and our trust in God is actually brought down, is actually weakened. And this shouldn't be the case. When we see God move in our lives through a test and through a challenge, we should believe in God that much greater. Our faith should be developed. But then the next thing he says, go back to verse uh, 3, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. Now, most of us hate this combination of faith and patience because faith believes that it's done right now. But patience makes you wait to see the manifestation. And, and honestly, guys, if I can just be, just be real honest with you, in, in the age that, we, that I grew up in, we did real well with faith, but we didn't do so good with patience. We, we taught a lot about faith, and rightfully so. Because faith is what allows you to endure. But we missed the patience part. And so what happened was, is we saw faith give it to us now, but then became discouraged when we didn't see it now. We were speaking to the mountain. Because we heard Mark 11, 22, and 23, and 24 over and over and over and over. I mean, God told Kenneth E. Hagin, go teach my people faith. And so we got the faith down, but then the discouragement came in because we weren't patient. We weren't patient. We couldn't wait with a good attitude. That's what patience is. Patience isn't just waiting. Because even impatient people are still waiting. They just don't have a good attitude. Okay? We got to understand that there's a waiting with a good attitude and there's waiting with a bad attitude, waiting with a bad heart. But when we learn to wait with the right heart that keeps the eye on the vision, regardless of what I see today, then we've developed patience. But he says here that the testing of our faith will produce patience. And that's the part we don't like. We're talking about testing here. We're talking about the results. I've got faith in God. I believe that what he said in his word will come to pass in my life, and I believe it's that way now, just like Mark eleven twenty three says. When you pray, believe that you receive. When are we supposed to believe? When we prayed, not when we see it. I believe that I received it the moment that I prayed, but then we get in the position like Daniel was. Remember, Daniel prayed for God to send help. And the angel of the Lord showed up to him 21 days later. Abraham had to wait 25 years. But his faith, according to Romans chapter 4, was strengthened. It said not being weakened in faith, in hope, against hope. What's hope? Hope is believing that what I'm believing for in faith is going to take place. And the hope is what allows me to get through to the end. The testing of your faith produces patience. That angel shows up to Daniel and says, I was sent the moment you prayed. But I had to break through some stuff to get to you. And that's why I'm here 21 days later. Oh, what a, what a, what a sad situation it is 
when we give up on what we believe because we don't see it immediately. See, we read the scriptures and we read the word and we see in the gospels the things that Jesus did happened instantly. Happened instantly. And we expect God to operate that way every single time. And you've got to understand that God is working whether you see it now or you see it then. His word is still true. His word is still true. So allow the testing of your faith. Number one, we've got to develop faith. Number two, the result is patience. Is, is patience. But then even patience. See how all this stuff is connected? The testing of my faith produces patience. But then verse 4 says, then patience needs to have its perfect work that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. That I may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Let me tell you what the next thing patience does for you. It develops endurance. Now, endurance doesn't happen overnight. Endurance doesn't happen overnight. I just recently, in maybe the last two years, uh, started a regimen of running in my life. I hated running growing up. I, I was never a good runner. I, I, I could never go long distance. I, I could never go for a long time. Uh, you know, I could do short bursts. I was pretty quick, uh, you know, in high school. And that's why I played baseball, because you only have to run 90 feet at a time. That's it, man. You just one base to the next base. That's it. Uh, I remember uh, uh, one year down in St. Augustine, we did all kinds of sports. We were actually just talking about this. Um, and one of the sports we did was ultimate frisbee. And that game, I played one game and I quit. Because you never stop running. You are always running. I mean, I just got to this side. And now the frisbee's down there. You got to be... Guys, I'm, I've got this side over here. You guys get that. <laughs> Bring it down here, guys. Bring it on down because I am not moving. Stay right here. I just got here. And now you're moving. I mean, as soon as you get to one side, you're back to the other. I mean, at least in football, you've got the ball on your side for a while. I, I could do flag football because I could. T- Dude, and this is what I did. I, they send me out as wide receiver. And so I go run all the way out there. I get all the way down here. And, and they, you know, throw the ball or, you know, it would be an incomplete pass or something. I'd do this. <sighs> Taking my time. Getting back. I'm coming, guys. All right. All right, go back here. No, we're huddling. We've got to huddle. We've got to huddle. Let's go over to the next play. Come on. Ain't no time clock on this thing. Baseball is the only sport that does not have a time clock. So, you know, I'd line back up. All right. Run all the way down. Get my little burst of speed going. You know, incomplete pass, whatever. Go back to the line. All right. Cool. Take my time. Huddle up, guys. Huddle up. My legs need a break. But ultimate freeze, you just never, there's no huddle. There's no stoppage of play. There's nothing. It's just you run the whole time. It's like soccer. No, I never played soccer. Hated soccer. Too much running. But just in the last couple of years, I, I, I began uh, 
running just like in my neighborhood and stuff and and I was timing myself and running longer distances and developing myself to increase but it's not overnight it wasn't overnight it wasn't just me sitting at home thinking you know what I'm gonna run for a long time today it didn't work that way the first time I got out there like seven minutes in I'm like I'm done done forget this but you stretch yourself and the endurance the perseverance stretches you. The perseverance stretches you. And guys, we've got we, this. This is a, a, a lost, a lost art in battling through challenges and challenges. Is the art of endurance. Jesus said in in his word. It is the one that endures to the end that will be saved. And guys, it's not our heart that gets us in trouble. It's not the level of our faith that gets us in trouble. It's the level of our endurance. Can we persevere to the end? Can we persevere to the end? Paul told Timothy, my life has been poured out like a drink offering. I fought the good fight. I ran my race. I finished my course. He said over in 1 Corinthians chapter 9 that you've got to be like a runner. You've got to be one that wants to be a champion. That says, I'm going to make it to the end. And I discipline my body. I beat it into subjection is what he's saying. That's not an overnight process. That's a growth process. And many times we miss that. We get into it, but we don't endure through it. And the testing will develop your endurance. The testing of my faith produces patience, and you've got to be patient to endure. You've got to be patient to endure. The victory comes to those who endure. Winning comes to those who persevere until the end. I don't know how many times I've seen it in sports where a team lost the game. They were ahead the entire game and lost it in just the last few minutes. You got to play the whole game. You got to play all nine innings. You got to play all 40 minutes. You got to play all 60 minutes. You got to play every down. You got to play every quarter. You got to play every half. You've got to play every single moment to the end like it was the first. And in Christianity, we've got a lot of good starters, but not a lot of finishers. I want to say it was last year at the Kingdom Institute graduation last year, we had Doug Jones come and speak, and he started off with this. He says, the road is well-worn at the beginning, but not as worn at the end. Because we have a lot of people that get started. But not a lot that finish. You've got to finish strong. We've got to be finishers. But it requires endurance. This isn't a sprint. This is a marathon. And when we treat our trials and tests like it's a sprint, like, okay, I'm in it now, but in a couple of days this will be over. Uh, th- there's no time frame on it. We've got to trust God and believe God and endure to the end. And then we will be saved. We've got to develop perseverance. We've got to develop perseverance. 
Perseverance stretches your ability to trust God. Perseverance stretches your ability to trust God. Now, I know in our eyes it it, it seems impossible to think that somebody could have enough faith to take their only child as promised by God and lay him on an altar to kill him. There's only one thing that gets you through that process, and it's faith. But the only reason he had the faith to do that is because God spoke to him and told him you would have a son, and he had to wait 25 years. He endured through that test, and that got within him, that built within him the faith to endure the next. It was his perseverance. It was his endurance that allowed him to believe God at the next level. See, some of us, we, we, we've got to be careful. This is why the skipping out on graduation is so dangerous. Because this level is requiring an opportunity of faith that we didn't develop previously. See, the only one that's giving up is us. God never gives up. God never gives up. The only one that bails out is us. And so we've got to establish this endurance. It, it stretches our ability to trust God. I, I remember uh, one instructor in, in Bible school put it this way. He said, if you, if, you can't, if, you didn't believe, if you can't believe God for a donut, you can't believe him for a million dollars. Guys, you just got to start somewhere. You know how many people don't get started because of the lack of endurance? You know how many people don't ever get in the gym because they can't lift five pounds? And they think they can walk in and unless I can... We, we always do that. We always set a time frame that says, when I can do this, I'll get started. We always set a point in the future that says, when I'm able to do this, but we've never built the endurance to get there. You've got to start somewhere. You've got to start somewhere. If you can't believe God for $10, you can't believe him for 100 If you can't believe him for 100 you can't believe him for 1000 you can't believe for 1000 you can't believe for 10000 You have to start somewhere. Endurance. Test results. Faith. Patience. Perseverance. The next thing that I want to point out is celebration. Celebration. Now this might not seem like a result to you, but some of us have a hard time celebrating what God has done. And I'm the first one on that one. I'm terrible at celebrating even my own victories. And this is dangerous because it's the celebration that restores your strength for the next test. Because there is a next test. There's always a next test. We're always growing. We're always developing. We're always adding. We're always moving and advancing to the next level. And every level comes with a 
New Testament. But most of us don't take time to celebrate the victory. Celebrate the victory. Celebrate the victory. You know, you, you, you see a lot of tests and you see a lot of challenges that people face uh, in the Bible. But sometimes what we miss is the celebration that took place afterward. God delivers his people uh, out of the land of Egypt, gets them across the Red Sea, and we miss, we, we, we don't very often read the chapter after that where they sang and they danced and, and wrote songs and psalms uh, thanking God and praising God and rejoicing in what he just did for them. A celebration is an opportunity to acknowledge what God has done for you. A celebration is an opportunity to acknowledge what God has done for you. Uh, you, you see this happen again in sports. You see this happen a lot where a team will be down three or four touchdowns. And when they score a touchdown, they're still celebrating. They're still excited. They're high-fiving each other. They're, they, they, they are celebrating, and you would almost think that they had the lead and were about to win the game. But they have found an opportunity to celebrate something. A team can be down four or five runs, and a guy hits a home run, and now we're only one run closer to tying the game, and they still high-five each other and are excited for each other when the guy gets back to the dugout. Celebrating. The moment. Now, there's things that we don't need to celebrate. Sometimes we get in trouble because we celebrate when there hasn't been any sacrifice. You know, I, I, I love Little League, and my son is getting ready to you know, do his little Little League thing. But I'm not all about this whole handing out certificates and trophies and snacks and, and gummies and juice boxes when we lost the game and we didn't even keep score. We didn't even keep score in the game. It's a whole new thing now. We don't even keep score. When my son plays, he'll know the score. I'll be on the side. I'll have a little score book. He'll get back to the dugout. Hey, we won. No, you didn't, son. Y'all were down by three. You struck out even though they pitched to you six times. You ran to third base instead of first base. You were out. Let them know. Whatever. I, I know it's not a real pastoral thing to say, but what's the culture? What's the culture that we are developing right now? But, but here's the thing. I can celebrate even the smallest thing. Because I know that even the smallest victory required great sacrifice. And so, guys, we got to be better celebrators. And I, I'm preaching to myself on this one. If it wasn't for my wife, we wouldn't have half the celebrations that happen around this place. That's just the truth. Because my wife can celebrate with the best of them. She can throw some of the craziest things and, and buy all this stuff and all these decorations. 
uh, you know, all, all these things. And, and I'm like, let's just move on to the next thing. What, what are we sitting around here for? But that's where my strength gets zapped. Just be honest with you. That's where strength gets zapped is when we don't learn to celebrate the sacrifice. I was listening to a pastor just a, a, a couple of weeks ago. He's got a large church, and 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 just in a short time frame, they've grown the church and to, to what it is today. And and he was taking another pastor on a tour through his church, and and but at. While he's taking them and showing them all the things that they've done, he's talking about, the, we want to do this, and we're going to add this, and we want to do this, and we want to do more of this, and just talking about expansion. And the pastor stopped him in mid-sentence and says, you're going to get in trouble. Now, for us pastors, we love vision. We love to talk about stuff that we can't see today. That's, that's what a visionary is all about. You don't make a very good pastor if you can't see tomorrow. But the pastor says, you're going to get in trouble. And you need to take a night when nobody's up here and just park your car and say, thank you, Lord, for what you have done. We've got to be able to celebrate. We've got to be able to celebrate even the smallest victories. Even the smallest victories. We've got to learn celebrate people faced many challenges in the bible but they only gave them opportunities to celebrate opportunities to acknowledge i mean david when he's going up and and talking about the next challenge uh with saul and saying i can take this giant why because the lord delivered me from the lion and from the bear See, when we don't acknowledge God's faithfulness, when we don't acknowledge God's ability to get us through, when we don't take the opportunity to worship and rejoice for what God has done, we'll make it that much harder on ourselves in the next trial and the next test. We're talking about test results. And one of the results of you enduring and coming through a test needs to be rejoicing. You need to take time to rejoice and praise, and worship, and thank God for what he just brought you through. For the overcoming that he just did in your life. Here are some verses that we can look at. Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4, verse 19. And my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. It's God that supplied. It's God that brought you through. It's God that overcame for you. That's an opportunity to rejoice and thank him. Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8 verse 31. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, then who can be against us? If God is for us, then who can be against us? Skip on down to verse 37. Yet in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. We've got to have moments of rejoicing. You would be amazed at how much strength is built up within you in the moments of your praise, in the moments of your rejoicing, in the moments of your thankfulness, acknowledging God's faithfulness in your life. We've got to learn 
to celebrate. I mean, people in the Bible, man, they're building altars. I mean, even there, even there when uh, Abraham offered up his son, Isaac, on the altar, and God saves him and then brings the ram, and they sacrifice the ram, and they establish an altar right there. I mean, there are so many altars, and there are so many sacrifices, and so many moments of rejoicing and thankfulness and acknowledging who God, people were building altars all over the place. And a lot of times in the Bible it would say, and that altar is still there today. Still in commemoration of what God did. Why? Because there's going to be more battles. There's going to be more testing. There's going to be more fighting. But I'm going to remember what God did back here. I'm going to remember God's faithfulness because if he brought me out of that, he's going to bring me through this. And our strength becomes zapped if it becomes weakened when we don't take the moment to celebrate. Now, you've got to celebrate right. You've got to celebrate right. We don't read our Bible. We don't finish, you know, a month-long uh, Bible reading plan. Oh, man, that's awesome. I finished my Bible reading plan, so then we don't read again for the next month. You know, that's like I, I lost 10 pounds this month, so I'm going to eat a donut. Sometimes we celebrate the wrong way. Oh, that's my gift. I, I saved up $500, so I'm going to go blow it all. I'm going to buy myself. I'm going to go on a shopping spree. See, you can celebrate wrong, but let's celebrate right. Let's celebrate correctly, right? Okay. Okay. We got to celebrate celebrate it's dangerous to have sacrifice without celebration it's dangerous to have sacrifice without celebration and the last one we've got faith we should have stronger faith as a result of our test not weakened faith stronger faith we should have patience an ability to wait and see the manifestation of that which we're believing for. We should have perseverance, the ability to endure all the way to the end, to play every down, to play every inning like it was the first. We need to have moments of celebration. Celebrate what God has done. Acknowledge what God has done. And the last thing that I have, and this just brings it full circle, right back to where we started in week one, preparation. The test brings you right back to the preparation for the next one. It's amazing how a sports team will still practice even though they want. It's amazing how a sports team will still go back on Monday and practice even though they just celebrated a victory. Why? They're preparing for the next one. They're preparing. See, every trial is preparation for the next. When David defeated Goliath, 
That wasn't the end of it. That wasn't saying, all right, your work here on earth is done. There's nothing else I need you to do. No, then King Saul approached him and said, all right, since you got all this going on, since you know how to fight, since you know how to trust in God, I'm going to put you over, I'm going to make you general of all of our army. Which then prepared him for leadership to become king. There's another level God wants to get you to, and sometimes we thwart God's plan in our lives because we stop at the last victory he got us to. We've endured through this victory, celebrated, and now it's time to prepare for the next one. God, what's the next thing you want me to do? And guess what? Every level requires growing. Every uh, level requires pruning. Every level requires correcting and changing. We've got to be able to endure through the test. But then we've got to know that once we've celebrated victory, once we've come through, once we've seen God show up in our lives and acknowledge his faithfulness, now it's time to prepare for the next. Now it's time to get ready for what's the next thing he wants to do in our life. What's the next victory he wants to show himself faithful? What's the next thing that he wants to bring us through? And that's how we make it to the end. God has a result for your life. God has a result for every test. God has a reward for every challenge. And I pray through this series, and honestly, guys, I'm actually going to just be moving us into a new series next week. I believe that this next series that we're going to is one of the most relevant messages I've ever preached in this church. And I'm going to ask you, even through the summer, even through the going and the coming, that even if you can't be here, make sure you go online and get these next messages. This next series, I'm going to talk about the state of the church today. We are seeing something come full circle now. I've been reading books and listening to messages throughout the last month on end times. And every minister that operates in prophetic ministry believes that not only are we in the last days, we are in the last of the last days. See, every generation and every season has seen bits and pieces of what Jesus and Peter and Paul prophesied would happen in the, in the end times. But only now, only now are we seeing all of those things happening at the same time. And I'm concerned that as a church, we're not ready for it. I'm concerned as a church that we're not ready to endure the tests and the struggles and the trials that are coming in life. And so we've talked about personal tests and personal trials in this series. But I'm getting ready to move us into how do we position ourselves as a church to endure the last time. Now, the exciting thing about it is most of the terrible things that we read about in the world, in the Word, we're not even going to be here for. That's exciting. 
So there's a thing called a rapture. We're going to be taken up, and then we're going to come back and rule and reign for a thousand years on the earth in the kingdom of God. But are we prepared? The church, the early church, was met with instant persecution. It didn't develop. It didn't begin to increase. The second the church was born, they were birthed into this, yet continued to grow, yet continued to increase. The Lord was adding to the church daily. And so these principles and these things that we have secured throughout this series, I want to carry over into this next series. And I want you to be sure to be here. Make a point to be here and hear the word that God has for this church and the church as a whole. Amen. Father, we thank you. Father, we thank you. Oh, we thank you for your faithfulness in every test. We thank you for your faithfulness through every challenge, through every trial, through every struggle. We thank you that you show yourself faithful, that you are the King of kings and the Lord of lords. You are the God that reigns everlasting. We thank you that your word is still the same yesterday, today, and forever. We thank you that you are still strong and mighty to overcome. We worship you and praise you and rejoice in all that you've brought us through. Father, we take the opportunity to focus on your faithfulness. We take the opportunity to celebrate every victory that you have showed yourself mighty in. And we give you all the glory and we give you all the praise in every trial and every struggle against every challenge and challenger in life. We thank you that it's just another opportunity to acknowledge that you are great and mighty. We worship you and honor you. We thank you for this and we praise you for all that you have done and all that you're going to do in and through our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.